Welcome to episode 33 of The Graham Cochran Show, where I'm here to help you build your online business, work less, and live and give more. I'm your host, Graham Cochran, pumped to spend some time with you today. And uh, we're going to talk about polarizing content. You and I need to be pumping up polarizing content. I'm going to make the case for that today. Um, And if you are brand new to the show, brand new to business, period, then you got to understand that content is so important. In fact, it's one of the four pillars of passive income. And I break all of these down in depth in my passive income workshop. I want you to go check it out at grahamcochran.com slash workshop. If you want to know what I think is the best business model on planet earth, the business model that allows me to do this, even though I don't get paid to do a podcast while my business over here is running without me and putting money in my pocket, then you got to watch this thing. It's about 45, 50 minutes. It's going to walk through these four pillars of passive income, what tools I'm using to pull it off, scripts and templates you can follow, how to figure out your profitable idea if you have no clue what your business should be about and you've never run a business, how to set yourself up so that you can grow this thing specifically so you can create an automatic income stream of $1,000 a month coming in your bank account automatically with just 30 minutes a day of work. It's no joke. This is exactly what my business is built on, both businesses really. And I break it all down for you inside the workshop. So go watch that at grahamcochran.com slash workshop. And uh, yeah, again, like a little hint, one of those pillars is content. And you can understand what kind of content, what does that mean? What does that look like? How often? Where? How do you leverage that into your business? How does it fit into everything else? There, It's not just four things you I think you should be doing. You have to do all four. And they all have to be connected. Otherwise, this whole thing doesn't work, okay? That's where a lot of people get stuck is... They're like, I built a digital product and it's not making money. You know, I'll just run some ads, you know, and and they don't understand there is a formula and it's not that creative. It just works. So you might as well learn it. That's why I teach it for free at grahamcochran.com slash workshop. You should go watch it. All right. So now that that's out of the way, um, let's talk about one of the things I see people struggle with, and that is they're not creating polarizing content. Man, I the the punchline is you got to do it. You got to create content that divides people. You just you have to. There's no way around it. Think about this. We are living in the information age and we said that in the 90s. <laughs> that was 20 years ago. Okay? We are living in a sea of ever growing content every single minute of every single day whether it's on YouTube, it's more podcasts like this one, it's more posts on social media. I mean, Content is being generated all around the globe every second of every day, and there's only more content than there was 10 years ago, than there was five years ago, than there was a year ago, than there was six months ago. And so it's only going to be harder and harder to get found. It's only going to be harder and harder to stand out, just mathematically, right? And that's the argument I get from some people that say, well, Graham, what what you're talking about, it worked in 2009 and 2010 and 2011 because there wasn't as many people out there. And that's BS. That's just BS. That's missing the point. Okay, so fact, there were fewer YouTube channels and fewer blogs, especially in my niche of audio and recording, if we're talking about the recording revolution, in 2009, 2010. Yes, there were fewer. There are way more today. 
way more competition if you want to use that word. So yes, that is a fact. And what can I do about that? It was just, you could call it luck. I'd call it God's grace that I started when I started. But that's irrelevant. That fact line, irrelevant over here to the reality that you still need to create polarizing content. You needed to back then, okay? Whether I got lucky because of when I started or maybe I'm onto something and there was some luck as well has nothing to do with what you need to do. What you need to do is what I'm about to tell you, and that is think about it from the user standpoint. If I get on YouTube right now and I look up anything, it could be a car review that I'm thinking about buying. It could be just news about the latest Star Wars movie. Whatever it is, Rise of Skywalker coming out in a couple of weeks. Whatever it is, I'm going to see a ton of content creators talking about whatever I'm looking at, right? There's going to be a ton of car review companies. There's going to be a ton of Star Wars you know, channels. There's going to be a ton of audio production channels. There's going to be a ton of business growth channels. Okay, so what's going to make me watch one video over another? And I'm not just talking about the thumbnail, okay? I get it. You need to have a thumbnail that people are attracted to and catch their attention. But thumbnail strategy isn't what makes your business work. At the end of the day, you'd be willing to try a couple of videos from a couple of people. But if you watch three or four videos on a topic that you're looking for, and three out of the four, it's a, hey, I'm Graham, and I'm going to teach you this. And it's really about what you expected, and it sounds like everything else you're hearing in the other videos, and it's real safe. And to use the term Ramit Sethi coins a lot, it's just real vanilla when he talks about content. Like, you don't want to be vanilla. It's just, it's not special. It doesn't stand out. It's just what you expect. And that's not good enough to get noticed or to grow a loyal following. And the reason why is because people are looking for somebody interesting to follow. Interesting doesn't have to mean super funny and super witty. Interesting doesn't have to mean you take off all your clothes and you're scandalous. Interesting does not have to be that you do crazy, dangerous stunts. Interesting can be strong and clear opinions, right? That's what talk radio has been about forever. Howard Stern is a great example in a lot of ways, strong opinions about things. A lot of the news channels, even Dave Ramsey, right? He talks about something as benign as money, but he has strong opinions. He makes fun of people that use credit cards. You may not agree with that, and that might piss you off, and that's by design. Okay, he has a very strong personality with strong opinions, and you either like Dave Ramsey and think he's God in flesh, or you don't like Dave Ramsey, and I say that lightly, you hate Dave Ramsey, you think he's an idiot. And all of that is good for Dave Ramsey. All of that is good for Dave Ramsey. He is polarizing, okay? The best talking heads are polarizing. The best people on YouTube, in my opinion, are polarizing. The best podcasts are polarizing. What does polarizing mean, right? They separate one side of the pole from the other, right? You've got north versus south. You've got top versus bottom. Like there, it The content that draws a line down the middle and says, you're either here or you're here, is what's going to work. Why does it work? Because it strikes a nerve and it gets people talking. 
you and I with our content need engagement. If we don't have engagement, the algorithm doesn't favor us, we die. Okay? I talked about this last week. We have to evolve or die. One of the things that I've had to evolve with over the years is that having a large YouTube channel used to favor me because my videos would be elevated because of the algorithm because I had relevant content. Mine was the largest channel, so it would assume mine's good. YouTube has changed their their strategy a little bit and they don't just look at size of subscribers on a channel to determine whether they should dish up a video in a search result. They look at engagement and relevance in recent weeks and months, which is best for the people and it's best for new YouTubers. It's good all around, but it means someone like me cannot rely on the size of my audience to continue to feed me more traffic. I need to stay engaging and create content that gets people talking. So let me give you some examples of what polarizing content looks like and how to figure out what kind of content you should make. There's four things I want you to understand about polarizing content. The most important thing and the most important question is you got to figure out and articulate what do you stand for and what do you stand against? In whatever your niche is, Whatever your topic is, whatever you're covering or creating content about, what do you stand for and what do you stand against? Let me give you some examples in my own two businesses, right? On the recording revolution side of things, I teach musicians how to record music in their home studio with budget equipment, okay? One of the things I stand for is that you can make professional sounding recordings with cheap microphones and cheap equipment. What do I stand against? expensive equipment for the sake of expensive equipment. What does this look like in real content? I will have a video called, uh, does a $1,000 microphone really sound 10 times as good as a $100 microphone? Question mark. What a great title for a piece of content because that's gonna get people to wanna A, listen to what I have to say about this, and B, they're already coming in swinging because they already have their own opinion. They either are gonna say, yes, Graham, I knew a $100 microphone could sound as good as a $1,000 microphone. I love you, Graham. You're awesome. You're championing the budget equipment guys. And I know I don't have to spend my money. I can feel good about my cheap microphone. And that's very intentional because I truly believe in that. But it also incites anger and fury in the guys that just spent $1,000 on a microphone because I'm basically insulting them by saying, because if you listen to my piece on that, my opinion is no $1,000 microphone doesn't sound 10 times as good as a $100 microphone. They sound about the same. Even if it sounded two times as good, would you spend 10 times as much? I would argue that it's not worth it because the audience and the fans can't really tell the difference. So why don't I just keep that extra 900 bucks in my pocket and take my wife out to a nice dinner and buy a new watch or something, right? Like there is so much logic in my mind that cheap gear these days sounds just as good as the expensive stuff. And if you don't agree with me there, you at least can't fight the fact that there's no way a 10 times the price microphone talent sounds 10 times as good. And that's where I went in this piece of content. And so the guys that have $1,000 microphones, and I own some, by the way, I don't use them because I don't think they sound any better, but the guys that spend a lot of money on their microphones are really ticked off because they want to justify their expensive purchase. I mean, that's how we buy things anyway. We buy it because we want it. Then we justify it for whatever reason because we bought it. It's, It's illogical. It's emotional. And it, it strikes, strikes a nerve, but I'm standing for cheap equipment and I'm against expensive equipment. And I will make fun of expensive equipment till the day I die. And it makes people angry, okay? That's really intentional. I get a lot of comments 
good and bad. Another example, I have a post called Analog Summing and Why You Shouldn't Care. Now, it doesn't matter what that means to you, but there's two ways to produce music. One is completely inside of a computer with software, and one is using a computer and some hardware equipment where the audio runs through actual cables, through some equipment, and it does some stuff and then dumps it back in the computer. And people swear that if you run the audio through this actual box before it goes into the computer, it sounds better than just keeping it as ones and zeros in the computer. And I made a statement in this piece of content that has now become legendary in my little niche that there are professionals out there who have Grammys that do it completely with the computer and ones that do completely with this other side of things. Therefore, one can't be the reason, one or the other can't be the reason why their music sounds good. They just happen to be talented audio engineers. That's why the final recording sounds good and that's why they can win Grammys. It has nothing to do with the equipment they use. And I basically told people, stop trying to buy this expensive thing. It's very similar to the other one because it's stupid. You don't need it. And I was very clear and articulate about that. And people hated me for it. But I get a lot of SEO traffic from this one post. Very, very good for me. Okay, on the uh, business side of things right here, right? I have things that I stand for and stand against. One of them I'm standing for, and I'm talking about it now in a way, is content marketing. I 100% believe that content marketing is the best way to grow your business these days online. And you know what I stand against? Paid advertising. Facebook ads, Instagram ads. I make fun of all of that. If you pay attention, you see this trend. I stand for content marketing. I stand against paid ads. Is there anything wrong with paid ads? Well, you might follow people that love paid ads. You might use paid ads, but if you're listening to me, I'm going to make fun of paid ads and tell you you don't need to spend money and run ads to grow your business and get an audience. Just do content marketing, right? So that's something I'm for. And against another one is I'm for, I stand for working less and having a life. I stand against the hashtag hustle, right? I make fun of hustling. I make fun of people that tell you to 10X your workload so you can 10X your business. I'd rather you 10X your business by working one-tenth the amount that you're working. To me, that's a lot more appealing. So I'm gonna stand against hustling and stand for working less. If you see this pattern, it, it draws a clear line. And, and the second point to having polarizing content flows out of that is, who is the enemy? In your niche, in your topic, who is the enemy? You need to know who the enemy is. And you need to make fun of that enemy all the time. Now, you can be classy. You don't have to be mean. You don't even have to name names. Okay, if you notice, when I talk about hustle, grind or die, 10x your business, those phrases, while being used by many people, refer to some very specific people that are probably the biggest talking heads of those worldviews. And I think they're brilliant people and they're wildly successful. And I would love to have coffee with any one of them and pick their brains and learn from them and have them as a friend. But I don't believe in their worldview. I don't believe in their methods. I don't want to personally live that way and I don't teach that to my audience. So I'm not naming names all the time. I try not to because they're great people, I'm sure. I'm not trying to come down on them as a person. I'm just trying to get your brain to think about, yeah, he's against that kind of thinking. Now, you may not like that. You may like hustling. You might not like me then. And that's by design. 
The re- there's a reason why the tagline to this show is I'm helping you build your online business, work less. I, I chose those words very specifically because I want to get you to think like, what do you, he's about working less? One of the biggest gurus in the online business space makes fun of passive income. He says things like he's sick of people talking about passive income. He's sick of hearing about it. I'm here to tell you passive income is alive and real and it's to be desired. And it's a good thing. It's good for everybody, especially if you want to have a life and a family and a health and not burn out, right? So I'm going to stand against and point out the enemy is the people telling you to hustle, to 10X everything you're doing. I'm going to say the enemy is the people telling you to run Facebook ads. Who's the enemy for you? If you're a fitness instructor, and you're sick of these specific trendy diets that you personally think are bad. For example, uh, Jillian Michaels, right? Fitness instructor. She was made famous on The Biggest Loser on NBC, right? Jillian Michaels would like work out these heavily overweight people on, on the show, The Biggest Loser, and get them to lose like, hundreds of pounds. It's crazy. And she got really famous, has her own workout routines, books, I'm sure, diets, I'm not sure, but super famous in the fitness world. Jillian Michaels came out in the last year and multiple times on multiple podcasts has come out vehemently against the ketogenic diet, keto. And she has called it out and said that it's not healthy, it's not sustainable, it's not good for our bodies long-term. Yes, you can lose some weight, but it's not healthy is her opinion about it. And she's gotten so much flack for it. And the reason why is because keto is in the limelight right now. People freaking love keto. And if you you probably know a million people that are doing keto right now because they're eating pork rinds. No offense to you if you do keto, but it's like pork rinds and bacon. It's like, dang, this is a sweet diet. I want to eat pork rinds and bacon and somehow lose weight. But like, Keto's really trendy right now. So they have a lot of disciples. And so if you if if it's 2019 and you're saying keto is bad, whoa, the wolves are gonna attack the keto wolves, right? The, the, the keto Kool-Aid drinking people are gonna come after you. How dare you attack keto? Keto's the freaking best. And everyone's entitled to their own opinion and everyone has success with different things. But what I'm saying is that Jillian Michaels has said ketogenic diets are not good. That is, a, that is a polarizing statement in 2019 and probably for many years to come because it, it seems like this, this diet has legs on it. It's going to be around for a while. Uh, I don't think she's a content creator. I don't know if she's trying to build a brand, but if she is, if she's doing content, it's a really smart thing for her to say. Make fun of keto as much as you can. If you don't like keto as a fitness instructor, if you think it's bad, talk about it a lot. If there's a specific brand of supplement that you think is a joke, make fun of it. Um, like who's the enemy for you, right? Like if you are in, okay, my mom is a good example. My mom is a foreign language instructor. She's taught French for many, many years and she's taught German as well. And she speaks four languages, German, French, Spanish, English. She's super smart. My mom has been a foreign language instructor for decades. And so she has learned different ways of teaching foreign language. If you teach foreign language to students, you know, middle school, high school students, you want to find what's the best way to help these kids learn how to speak fluently in another language. And so she's tried a lot of different things. She has come to discover that there's something about just getting massive input, right? Called CI, comprehensible input. Like if you, if you just expose a human being to this foreign language a lot, 
Forget about grammar for now. Forget about you know conjugating verbs. Forget about memorizing words in another language. Just watch the foreign language on TV a lot. Listen to it on music. Listen to it on podcasts. Be asked questions and just stumble through answering it. Like butcher the grammar, get it wrong, and don't correct the kids. Just let them try. It's basically teaching foreign language the way we learn to te- to speak our native language. So if you grew up speaking English, your parents spoke English to you. They didn't. You didn't conjugate verbs as a one year old. You didn't conjugate verbs. You didn't have to be grammatically correct as a two year old. Your parents weren't always coming down on you and correcting you like, oh, you got a C on that sentence. That's not correct English. They encouraged you to speak any way you can. Yeah, just try it. Go for it. Just try to speak. Listen to me speak. Watch this movie. Listen to this music. Just download a bunch of it. Comprehensible inputs. My mom has had a lot of success with this method of teaching foreign language. And she thinks it's way better than the traditional book methods with conjugating and grammar and all this stuff. And she believes that eventually you get the grammar later, but that's not as important as empowering kids to feel comfortable and confident to speak and to hear a lot of it and try speaking. And as someone who's been to a lot of different countries where I've not known the language and I know one language outside of English, that's I can attest this is actually true. But whether it's true or not for me, it's true for her. She has found success in it. And so for her... She started making some YouTube videos and sharing stuff on some of the the groups with other foreign language teachers. She's just trying to help people that are in this space, trying to teach foreign language or teach English as a second language, whatever it is. For her, the enemy is the traditional way of teaching foreign language. Grammar, conjugating, tests, like the, the hero for her, she stands for comprehensible input. The enemy traditional methods of teaching foreign language. And so she'll make fun of it. She'll talk about the weaknesses of it. She'll call it out. And it can it can be an enemy that she used to believe in. Oh, I used to teach that way, but I've realized it's not the best way. It, I think it's actually harmful. So it's good for her to be polarizing because some people, they can't stand what she's saying. You're crazy. You got to conjugate verbs. If you don't correct their grammar, they're going to be speaking improper grammar. So they don't like it, but that's good. You need to figure out who is the enemy. If you don't have an enemy in your niche, you're safe. You're too vanilla. You're too bland. I'm, t- I'm telling you, you're not going to stand out. You're not going to stand out. And I do this I, in both of my brands. I know my enemy. I know who I stand for and who I stand against. But over time, I don't want people to be angry and I just get lazy and I, I drift to the mean, which is safe, like, you know, five steps to like get a better recording at home. Like, yeah, that's probably helpful, but it's what everyone else is doing. What do I stand for? What do I stand against? Who's the enemy? Call them out. You'll get noticed. People love, whether they love or hate, but both bring attention. They pay attention to those who have strong feelings and strong opinions. And the people with strong opinions who say things get talked about. You want to be talked about. You want people sharing. You want people making fun of you. You want people loving you. You want people saying, can you believe what this guy said? You want all of that because that's traffic. That's SEO. That's branding. That's attention. Now, your website and your content and what you share, is that's gonna the job of that stuff is to qualify the audience and say, well, I'm not for you. I'm for you. But all of the attention brings more eyeballs than just a little sliver of good attention from safe people that just love you no matter what. I love those people. If you're one of those people for me, I love you. But the only way for me to grow is to say things that really strike a nerve. One way to do this, and this is the third thing about polarizing content, is to be as specific 
and honest as possible. Be as specific and honest as possible. So again, we start with who do you stand, what do you stand for and against? Who is the enemy? So if you can be specific, say who the enemy is, but be as honest and specific as possible. So don't just say conceptually what you believe. Use specifics and and be willing to be candid. Right? Like right now, let me let me I'll, let me be specific right now about something I stand for and against. Okay. You know what I hate right now? I hate, and I'm not on it a lot, but if I get on Facebook, God bless me, man. If I get on Facebook, I am sick and tired of A, Facebook ads, period. B, Facebook ads from a person standing in front of a car, usually a nice car, or standing in front of a beach, or standing in front of somewhere gorgeous in the world, saying things like, I'm finally free. There's a, there's a Facebook ad I see right now all the time where the guy starts up by saying, I'm finally free. Oh, and it took me so long to be free. And like, it's so boring, but I, I know what he's doing. Like he's appealing because I like business stuff. I'm, I'm being targeted by his ad and uh, I create business content. And he, he's trying to sell you, you know, the dream that I'm trying to sell you, which is freedom in life through a business. And if you watch the video, read the post, he's just, going on and on about how awesome his life is. And then he wants to invite you to some webinar for free that you can watch where he's going to tell you about how your life can be awesome too. And he's not going to, I know he's not going to teach you anything because I've been on these webinars and I know people that instruct people to make webinars that don't teach you anything. And that's literally the tactic. Like guys, this is how you sell. You don't teach anything. There's a guy right now who's one of the best marketers in the world and I actually think he's a really decent human being, but I hate the way he teaches webinars because he legitimately, specifically says, don't teach anything in the webinar. Just ask questions and get them to think like, oh man, oh man, oh man. And so then when you pitch your product at the end of the webinar, they have to buy it to learn anything because they didn't learn anything in the webinar. That's like literally the script that he teaches for his webinar funnel. And that's and, and he's so popular and so big, and he gives this webinar funnel out, I think, as a lead magnet that so many people are copying and doing it because he makes a lot of money. And so you see all these copycats, and they're they're doing this stupid ad. Oh, look at me at the beach. I'm finally free. And like, you know, I used to work a nine-to-five, and, and then I got online and through my Shopify store or through, you know, my Amazon affiliate links or, you know, through, you know, YouTube content and like, come to my live webinar and like, I'll teach you the five steps to whatever. And you'll be making 10,000 a month. And then you go, you don't learn anything. And then you're pitched a product. And I hope the product is good. I haven't bought the products from these, you know what I'm talking about. I I was about to say a mean name, but you hope that the product is eventually good. And let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's assume that the product is good, but they give you nothing of substance and they just tease you, tease you, tease you until you buy. And I'm sick of those ads, man. Like those drive me nuts. I personally believe that you have a better ROI if you just actually make relevant free content. That's not an ad. That actually helps people's lives without asking anything in return, but offering them something more in return for their email address if they want to go deep with you. That's my whole business model. It's my business model because it works. I make a ton of money doing this, and I don't have to trick anybody. I don't have to do any gimmicks. I just add value. And it's risky. I get it. Cause I can spend time doing a podcast like this, put it out there in the world, 
people could listen and maybe nobody would opt in and maybe nobody would buy and I have to hope that it works. But I believe that this model works so I don't have to rest on hope because it's built on serving people, giving them what they need and becoming famous, becoming trustworthy, becoming indispensable in their world. Even I have students from the Recording Revolution. I just um, celebrated my 10-year anniversary of that brand of putting out content on the Recording Revolution. And I, I was doing a bunch of videos over there for the, the month of October. And um, I was doing a big giveaway. I was giving away two months of my membership for free and giving away uh, 10 $500 gift cards to a big audio store, just celebrating a lot of stuff. Um, but in this process, one of the ways to enter the giveaway was to get people to submit a video to me. This is self-serving, but it's, hey, why not? Um, submit a video to me and show me that you've also uploaded it somewhere in the world, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, on your blog or whatever, telling the world how awesome the recording revolution is and what is something that my brand or my videos or my stuff has helped them accomplish. How have I helped you? So if I've never helped you, you're not gonna make a video or you could lie, I guess, just to enter the contest. But what I've heard a lot of, I mean, I've heard some amazing feedback. I have some of the best students on that brand. But what's my point is in this conversation is I got a lot of, and I do get a lot of feedback, but a lot of these videos were from people that are like, dude, I used to follow Graham or I found Graham's videos five years ago and for about two years I was binge watching his videos and they helped me tremendously. And it, what they're implying is that these days they don't watch my videos as much. But the point is, they still love me and love my brand and have like glowing things to say about it. I have my, my content and my brand has a soft spot in their heart because it was instrumental to them at a certain point of their journey. Um, maybe I was their first teacher in this space, or maybe I was the one that finally made sense, or maybe they, I was the one that finally got them to take action and they were already talented, but they just needed someone to push them over the edge and they took action, whatever it is. Even years removed, they still know my brand, love my brand, and sing the praises of my brand. That's the power of content marketing at work where you give and give and give and you build up this equity, this brand equity in the hearts and the minds of people. And I believe in that way more than a stupid Facebook ad that, look, I could go out on the balcony of, of my office here, downtown Tampa, and like, like look at me down in the city, living the dream. I, you know, I could go rent a really expensive car as well like a lot of these guys are doing and film in front of the expensive car, or I could go buy the car, but my wife wouldn't let me waste that kind of money on a really stupid, expensive car. But, you know, I could do that too, but A, it's stupid. And that, that's the whole point of this is that's the, they're the enemy to me. Guys that do that are the enemy to me. It's, it's, it's self-serving. It's predictable at this point. There were some pioneers that did it well, and I almost think did it better, even though it, it looks egotistical. I think the way they did it was, was original in its time. Um, I don't even hate Ty Lopez. I actually kind of like Ty Lopez. I think he's brilliant. And I think when he started doing that, you know, him with his, his Ferrari or his Lamborghini inside of his, his garage, you know, I love more than my car, knowledge. And he's got all the books behind him. Like that first video he did on YouTube for YouTube ads is... Like, it's brilliant. There's a great YouTube channel called Charisma on Command. Those guys break down, you should watch, you could just binge watch their YouTube channel. They break down people um, and you learn strategies of how to be engaging and popular and, and attractive to people. And they, they study famous people, what they do. And there's one whole video where they break down Ty Lopez and they break down that video 
and then the, the geniusness behind what he's doing. It's just fascinating, the psychology there. So I, I love Ty Lopez, but all these idiot copycats, they're the enemy to me. I'm gonna make fun of them till the day I die. And I'm gonna then champion, again, content marketing, serving people, things that I learned, I teach you and I learned from The Go-Giver. That's why I love that book. So be as specific as possible. So for me, I'm gonna make fun of these specific dudes on Facebook with their stupid ads. You should be making fun of people. You should be as honest as possible. It's not just always about the enemy. It's also about what you personally believe in. If you believe, let's go back to the keto example. Let's say you're a fitness instructor and you're the opposite of Jillian Michaels and you you love the ketogenic diet. In fact, the ketogenic diet saved your life and you lost 50 pounds and you're the best shape of your life and you believe you're healthier. And you can quantify that. And you, you've got doctors data showing that you were actually healthier, didn't just lose weight. Because you can lose weight by starving yourself. That's not good either. But let's say the ketogenic diet is the jam for you. It's the bee's knees for you. Tell the freaking world that keto is the best thing since sliced bread, that it's the best thing since Nutella. Because it's pretty hard to top Nutella, hazelnut chocolate spread. Nutella, if you're watching, you could send me some. Maybe you could be a sponsor. Um, Tell people what's awesome. Tell them why it's awesome. Showcase studies of yourself and your students. Tell, like, make fun of Jillian Michaels for making fun of keto. Do a whole piece on why, you know, recently Jillian Michaels came out on this podcast and said that keto is a bad diet. Here's why she's an idiot because keto is friggin' awesome. So you're blending both. You're being specific and honest about the enemy in your mind, who's Jillian Michaels, because you think what you stand for is keto is the best thing. Tell them why, give them specifics, give them tips. And, and just sing the praises of keto till the day you die, if that's something you really believe in. I do that with Kajabi. I talk about Kajabi, which is this online tool that I use to run my business. It's like the greatest thing to exist and come into the world for someone like me that has multiple online businesses where I want to sell products like online courses, membership sites, do webinars, email marketing. I host my whole website. This entire brand lives on Kajabi now. Everything you see and touch in this brand is all Kajabi. I love Kajabi. It's something I stand for, so I'm specific. I'm honest. I've done videos showing you my back end of Kajabi, how I run a million-dollar business on Kajabi. That's literally a video of mine. Why? Because I believe in it. I stand for it. Then it's cool because they offered a, an affiliate program where if I get people to sign up, I get a cut of their link, which are of their, their monthly payment, which is a legitimate thing in, in the world. And I don't have any affiliate products that I... I I shop. I don't even do that on the recording revolution side of things. I get pitched products all the time and I'm like, no, no, no. But on this brand, I'd already been using Kajabi for six years, six years. And they only made it better. And when they rolled out this program, I was like, this is a no brainer because I'm already talking about it anyway. It's something I specifically honestly believe in. And I already tell my clients and my students to use it anyway, even when I wasn't getting a cut. If they're going to pay me to talk about it or pay me to get people to sign up, sure, I'll take their money if they want to. It doesn't cost you any different to, to sign up. So yeah, I'll talk about it and I'll stand for it because guess what? I genuinely believe in it. But again, if you go in that direction, you create polarizing content, you have to really back up what you believe in because people will listen and people will trust you. So you don't want to misuse their trust. That's why I don't affiliate. I got pitched um, to do affiliate market uh, affiliate marketing basically with you for another online product that I don't I don't use as much anymore. And I was honest with them. I said, hey, I loved your product. I used it for many years. I'm not using it as much anymore. And I don't know if I'll be using it at all in the future. I'm not sure. I, I already promote this thing over here. I don't feel comfortable promoting your thing. No offense. 
I'm not going to do that because if I say it, you're going to go and sign up for it. And it's a good thing, but I want to be very careful about what I recommend, especially if I'm telling you to go spend money with a company. So you got to, you know, be responsible there. And, and you have that audience's care that you have to look out for and steward. But if you're passionate about a product, if you're passionate about a method, if you're passionate about a, a book, sing the praises of that book, right? Stand out, be polarizing, especially if it's a controversial thing. If there is something you're doing or that you use or you believe in and it's being talked about online, it's controversial, you better jump into that conversation. You better raise your hand and pick a side. But here's the thing. The fourth and final thing with polarizing content, and this is where most people get stuck, if done right, it will lead and should lead to negative responses. And that's a good thing. That's why you don't want to be polarizing. That's why a lot of your content's probably vanilla and bland and safe. The word safe, because you, you don't want to stick your neck out. And, and if you stick your neck out, you get clobbered especially in today's landscape of social media and YouTube comments. It's, it's rough out there. Trust me. Look, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm wearing a, a really nice V-neck. I like this, this shirt. I'm wearing a nice V-neck. I get made fun of for wearing V-necks on YouTube. Dude, what? What the heck? Like when I started to get blasted for wearing certain clothes, people, I used to have more of a faux hawk. I kind of have, I don't know what you call my hair now. Maybe you leave me a comment. Let me know what you say my hairstyle is. But I used to have a legitimate faux hawk. Um, and looking back on it, I kind of agree with these YouTube comments now, but people used to make fun of my faux hawk. Oh my gosh, it's so ugly. <laughs> that made me want to cry to my mama. That hurt my feelings. I'm like, guys, we're not talking about hair or clothing. I'm talking about music. Could you stop looking at my, my person and like listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth? To quote Chris Tucker. So, um, it's a scary place to put your neck out there. On It's scary just to exist online, let alone to raise your hand in the middle of a trending, polarizing conversation and pick a side. But you need to do it. Once you pick a side, you're going to have loyal followers that are going to thank you that you raised your voice because we all want someone that believes what we believe to champion it and say it with fervor. Because then we can say, ah, someone else that validates how I feel. I like this person. You're going to get those people. If you're safe, there's nothing really for them to like anyway. So you're, you're not really getting them anyway by playing it safe. So you're going to get more loyalty when you stand out and pick a side. But hey, you're going to get people that hate your guts for it, who call you out, who think you're an idiot, who think you're wrong, who have data to prove that you're wrong, who have celebrities that agree with them to prove that you're wrong. And they'll go to war against you. And that is a good thing. It's a good thing for three reasons. One, it reminds you that you are having a pulse and making a difference. If nobody's responding, it makes you wonder, do I even exist? Right? In a negative sense, that's why teenagers or kids will lash out and do bad things if they feel like in the home or in their life, they're not noticed. If no one notices them, that actually can lead them to do extreme, awful things just to get attention. And it almost makes sense. They almost want to know, am I even alive? Or does anybody even know I'm here? So they'll do anything to just find out. So polarizing content, negative responses show that you have a pulse. They show that you're, yes, people are paying attention. That's a good thing, just to reaffirm that people are listening. Two, what you want all the time is engagement. 
on any platform, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, your blog, whatever, if you can get comments, if you can get responses, that is what feeds the algorithms. Like the algorithms these days are built around engagement. They have to be because they're getting so much flack, these social media platforms for fake news, for fake uh, accounts and fake followers and, and, and biased algorithms that favor, you know, certain political views. Like they're in hot water, right? So they need to get back to the basics of like, hey, let's just elevate the content that's being talked about a lot and, and like just hands off. We're not gonna pick and choose. We're just gonna, whatever's being talked about, we'll let that be elevated because people must be wanting to talk about it. So that's where the algorithms are. You gotta get responses. If you're not getting responses, you're not gonna be found in the algorithm. Even negative responses are good for you in the algorithms. Another reason you want negative responses, which is better than no responses, is because on your blog, let's say, if you get comments on your blog, that is what's called user-generated content, right? User-generated content is exactly what it sounds like. It is more content, text, for YouTube, or excuse me, Google to crawl and the search engines to crawl and find that was generated by not you, but by your users, your followers. So if you get people to leave comments, they're creating more searchable keywords for you so that your stuff, your blog posts, your website can get more easily found. That's incredible. So the more comments you get, good or bad, doesn't matter. It helps you rank higher because there's more opportunity for your site to be found. So there's so much benefit, even if you just got a bunch of hate comments, to getting in the conversation. The other one I was thinking about is when you say something that people totally disagree with, people will share it. And that's the funny thing. We think we only share the things we love, but think about how many things you've either shared or seen people share with like, can you believe this idiot? I got a lot of traffic. Um, there was a period of time where I was getting made fun of a lot on the Recording Revolution brand. And I distinctly remember there is a forum for the audio world called Gear Sluts with a Z. And it's an awful name. And I'm, I feel uncomfortable saying it every single time. But it is like the biggest forum has been around for many years for audio people to talk about like being obsessed with gear, products to buy. Oh, I'm thinking about buying this $2,000 microphone. What do you think? I'm like, oh yeah, you should get it. It totally makes you sound like Britney Spears or sound like Adele or sound like Taylor Swift or sound like Kanye or whatever they're talking about. Like they've been, people have been using this forum forever to talk about gear. And to me, Gear Sluts is like the, one of the enemies. I make fun of that forum all the time. But ironically, not so ironically, I was featured in a thread or I came up in a thread of conversation on that forum and the topic was um, of the th forum was, can we all just stop pretending like Graham isn't selling something? And they were talking about me. And this guy was just ranting like, I'm sick of this guy, Graham Cochran on the recording revolution, because like he comes across like he's real nice. And he's giving out this content, but we all know, we all know he's running a business and he's selling stuff. I was like, and what's hilarious is that first, all the people that came out and agreed with him, and he linked to my site. So here's a guy sharing my website in anger and inciting other people with their pitchforks. They're like, yeah, let's let's kill this guy. What a, what a jerk. He's selling stuff, but he's not saying that he's selling stuff. So initially, these people came out of the woodwork. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of people showed up. They're like, Graham's never pretended like he's not selling something. He just gives a lot of free stuff away. And if you just check out his site. He's got his products up there. You can buy them. Yeah, like what, he's not covering anything up. And they started to defend me and then they're all fighting each other. And it, it's amazing 
because my site, I started to get, so if you look at the Google Analytics, I was getting all this traffic from this, this thread that was started by this angry guy who hates me, who couldn't stand me, was irritated by me. And I just thank this gentleman so much because what is he doing? He's creating SEO for me. He's sending people my way. It's so good. It's free traffic. Thank you, angry person. I get a lot of that. It's so good. And you can get that too. People share things that they disagree with. This is ridiculous. Can you believe what this guy said? It's good for you. That's why you want content out there because it's something that's shareable whether they like it or not. You can be found when you have haters. So again, if you're doing this right, the way you know if your content is polarizing or not is do you have opposite ends of the spectrum and responses? Do you have people that love you for it and people that hate you for it? If you don't have people that hate you for it, you're probably not doing it right. And even if it's not hate as the response, maybe that's dramatic, people questioning you. I don't know, Graham. I think I think paid advertising is pretty important. Like, I think you're jumping to conclusions by saying that it's not necessary. Like, I think you're doing people a disservice. Like, that's good too. That That's negative. That's that's someone disagreeing with me and they like me enough to not want to yell at me. So maybe they respect me enough that they want to be cordial, which I appreciate because I'm tired of people yelling at me, but like they clearly disagree and they're irritated when I'm making fun of paid ads because they, they want to like me, but they don't agree with my stance on paid ads. It's really, really good. When I get that response, I know I'm doing the right thing. So let's wrap this up. Like I, I, want, look, I want you to win so bad. I want your business to take off for a lot of reasons. One, because when it does, two things are going to happen. You are going to experience freedom like you've never experienced before. When you get your time back, your sanity back, and you create stuff that goes into the world that you feel good about and puts a good amount of money in your pocket, month in and month out. Like, I want you to taste that because it tastes so good, my friend. And now I'm doing it in two businesses. It's amazing. I also want you to to do this and I want you to win because the world needs you to win. There's so much crap out there. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, there's so much content. And you know what the problem with most of it is? Most of it sucks. Most of it's crap. Most of it's just regurgitated vanilla junk that really doesn't help. And it's all just meant to hawk a digital product. And unfortunately, that puts people like me and maybe you in a bad light because like, oh, Graham, you just I just put out content to sell your digital products. Yeah, that's my business. But it's good content. And they're good digital products that actually help people and change lives. Just because there's people that are just trying to make a buck doesn't mean that me trying to make a buck in my business is somehow just as bad as them, right? We get lumped into that category. But no, man, that's not you. That is not you. If you really have something you believe in, there's something that you're good at, that you can help people with, you got to get it out there because the world needs your help. I can't help everybody. Certainly not in every niche in the world. There's a lot of things I can't do. And I certainly can't help everybody in my niche. We need you to be in this world being a light in darkness, right? Literally, that's how I view what I do. I believe that the marketplace is full of darkness and and like, lunacy and uh, broken brokenness and me existing in the marketplace with my business, the way I believe it should be run, my personal beliefs, my worldview. I personally believe that if I exist and serve people there, 
I can make that corner of the world a better place. And I believe you can too. That's why this business, this podcast, this YouTube channel, all of this exists. I'm actually trying to change the world through you. I can't change the world unless you get off your butt and kick butt. And so I'm I'm trying to get you to win. I want your business to succeed. And it won't succeed unless you stop playing it safe. It won't succeed unless you stop being afraid and playing scared. It won't succeed until you decide to stand for something, stand against something else, point out the enemy and say, hey, this is wrong. I disagree. Here is a better way. Follow me to the promised land and take your people somewhere that actually makes the world a better place and let the negative responses come and let them fuel you to keep going because you've got something you believe in. That's the only way you're gonna kick butt and get noticed and get people on your email list and pitch your products and sell your products and get more money so you can stay in business so you can grow and keep making great content that changes people's lives whether they buy or not. This thing spins and spins and spins if you commit to polarizing content. So quit playing it safe. Stop it. (laughs) Just commit. You know what you want to say. You know what you want to say. And I'm here to push you over the edge and say, just say it, man. Just share it. Just admit it. Be honest. You don't have time to play games. You're never going to get found in the sea of overwhelming so much content if you do the whole vanilla content thing. So take it from me. Stand out. Raise your hand and say, I'm taking this side. Putting my foot down here. This is where I live. And start with just one piece of content. That's your action step for today. You can't change your whole brand overnight, but you know what? You can start with one piece of content. I want you to sit down and think about what is that one next piece of content that you need to share, that you need to be bold about and be polarizing and own what you believe, even if people are gonna disagree with you, even if your peers that you like are gonna disagree with you, even if, how about this, your heroes disagree with you. And let's get meta for a second. If you happen to be in the online business space like I am, and if the thing you stand for is paid ads on Facebook, and the thing you stand against is content marketing, which would be strange that you're following me, but maybe you are, and you respect me, even if you should still get online and say, content marketing sucks, Facebook ads is the wave of the future. No offense to Graham, but he's wrong. Like If that's what you believe, you gotta say it. You gotta say it. Some of my best friends totally disagree with me, but they gotta disagree publicly to get noticed. They should. You should too. Even if the person you respect the most disagrees with you, you gotta do what's best for your business moving forward to serve people well and to grow this thing. That's all I got for you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I would love to hear what you think about this, by the way. If you're on YouTube right now, leave me a comment. Let me know, like, what, what are you going to do that's polarizing? What, where are you scared? Where am I missing it? Like, wh- like disagree with me. Let's, let's have a conversation. If you're on iTunes, let me know if you've been listening to this episode and leave me a review, please. It helps me out a lot and also lets me know that you're listening. Let me know if this resonated with you. If this was for you, I need to know. And as always, let me know what else I can be helping you with. If you have an idea for a future podcast episode, future video episode, let me know. I'll consider it. I'm here to serve you. Be bold. Stand out. Stop playing it safe. We don't have time to mess around. I'm going to hold you to it. I'll see you in another episode real soon.